Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on April 16th, 2023. So pay attention and, and listen carefully. I want to give one of you $10,000 today to do God's work. Who should I give it to? Now, 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 now listen carefully, okay? Keep in mind before we go on, it's not for you personally. It's to do God's work. So who should I give it to? Now keep this also in mind. I want to give it to you, but unfortunately, I don't have it. So I can't, because I looked into my wallet this morning, and apparently I used my $10,000 to buy gas. All I have is receipts. But God can and does give assets, money, talents, all kinds of things to us regularly. Now, I chose that number, $10,000, because it is equivalent to a mina, which is mentioned in today's parable. Now, depending on on, um, how you've read this before, it can be called a mina, a mina. The original Greek is a mina, and so there's various ways to pronounce it. A mina was worth about three to four months' pay for a worker in Jesus' day. So roughly speaking, $10,000 for an entry-level worker today. If you have a job, God has given you that much money or more. And if God asks for an accountability audit, hey, how are you using the money I gave you? As he does in the parable today, what would that audit show? Now, we're in the Gospel of Luke. I kind of jumped ahead during Palm Sunday and on Easter. And now we're returning to Jesus in in the Gospel of Luke with the passages that we skipped. And today we get to this parable of the ten minas or the parable of $10,000. It's not as well known as parables like the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son. It's similar to the parable of the talents, but given at a different time and for a different purpose. But it is a powerful parable, though it's not read often. And it helps us understand what Jesus wants from us, his followers. So we're going to stand and we're going to read it. It's in Luke chapter 19, verses 11 through 27. And keep in mind as you do that Jesus can and will bless you with $10,000 or things far more valuable. But he will also want an accounting, as he does in the parable. So be ready to answer him when he gives it to you. This is Luke 19, beginning with verse 11. While they were listening to this, Jesus had just been in the home of Zacchaeus, if you remember that story. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. 
But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. And his master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so when I came back I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. You may be seated and as always, I hope you know that when you, you look at any passage of Scripture, any verse, but especially a parable, you always need to look at the context to understand what Jesus is saying. And so understand Jesus was in Jericho, very near to Jerusalem, probably speaking to a crowd of people outside the home of Zacchaeus. And he was ready to enter into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And his followers were ready for him, anticipated and hoped that he would declare his kingship and set up a kingdom here on earth. Even his enemies longed for a Messiah. They just didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And they thought it's time that a Messiah, a king, stands up and kicks the Romans out. So the Jews are in charge of the Jews. In some ways, it's kind of like the belief we have today. The time is near for Jesus' return, and we anxiously await it. And so to them and to us, them awaiting the kingdom of God, us awaiting the return of Jesus and the ultimate kingdom of God, what is Jesus teaching? What does he want? And I want to share with you six things that Jesus wants for us. And I want us to put them into practice in our own lives and in our church. And so the first thing Jesus was teaching is pretty simple. He was saying, be patient. But part of what Jesus said to the crowd and part of what we need to hear today. Listen to the parable introduction again. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. And so then he gives them a parable about being productive. He said to them and to us, you want me to set up my kingdom now, 
but I have work for you to do in the meantime. Be patient and be productive until it's my time. If you've been in church most of your life, like I have, then all my life I've been told Jesus is coming soon. If, if you were around in the 1970s, then you may have had a copy of this book. David Wilkerson, and I'm not going to put him down because I highly respect the work he's done in New York City. He was the author of The Cross and The Switchblade and a great pastor. But in the 1970s, he wrote a book called The Vision. Who, and he said in the book, Jesus is coming back so soon. He said, if you have an old car, don't trade it in. You won't need it. I'm really thankful that I didn't listen to him because in the 70s, I owned a Chevrolet Chevette. Now, I got to say, it got the best mileage of any car that I ever have. I also have to say it fell apart faster than any car that I have ever had. When was the last time you saw a Chevy Chevette on the road? Not recently. It didn't last very long, but... That was my car, but you know that's been the mentality for years. Jesus is coming soon, and I'm not going to deny that because I believe that could be real. But Jesus said, listen, be patient and do my work until I come. Don't get so hyped up about my return that you're not doing what I want you to do in the meantime. Um, later, in the 1980s, a man by the name of Edgar Wisnant sent out to every church in America... 300,000 free copies of 88 reasons why the rapture will occur in 1988. It didn't happen. We're still here. Still, one of the easiest ways to draw a crowd in modern American Christianity is to preach on the second coming. Now, I'm not opposed to that at all. As a matter of fact, on Wednesday nights right now, I'm teaching a class on looking to the future. But I'm also balancing it with what Jesus taught here. He said, be patient. You have work to do. Focus on that. Be sure you do what I've called you to do, and I will return in due time. Be patient and get busy which is the first thing that Jesus taught in this parable. And the second thing is really kind of the main point of the parable, be productive. And so the king in the parable, who represents Jesus, the king in the parable says, I'm going away, here's $10,000. Put it to work until I get back. One had a return of tenfold, turned to $10,000 into $100,000, and he was rewarded greatly. One had a return of fivefold, and he was rewarded. One did nothing, didn't even invest it, put it in a bank, put it on deposit, and it was taken away from him. The lesson is simple. Jesus wants us to use what he has given us for his glory and his work. Be productive. And by the way, this is not just a money thing. It's a life thing. Jesus does bless us with money, and we're to use it for his work. 
He blesses us with talents and skills. We're to use them to do his work in the world. He blesses us with education and knowledge. We're to use it for his glory. He blesses us with family and friends. And we're to use those relationships to testify about God. He blesses us with months and years and decades. And we're to use that time to accomplish something for God. He blesses us with spiritual gifts. And we're to use them to strengthen his church and to do his work in the world. So, so understand the biblical truth. All good things come from God. Even if we feel like I worked for it, God gave us the ability, God gave us the opportunity. All good things come from God. So when God blesses us with good things, he wants us to manage them well for his good. If he gives us a dollar, we tithe on it and maybe use it on top of that to love someone or bless his church. If God gives us a talent, we use it for his work. If God gives us knowledge, we use it to help others grow. Productivity is not just a business principle, it's a spiritual principle. God has blessed us, and so whatever God has given us, we use for Him. Money, time, talents, abilities, skill, spiritual gifts. What God has given us, we use for His glory. And that's what Jesus was teaching. Be patient, I'm going to come back. Trust me, I'll be back. But in the meantime... Be productive. Use what I've given you for good and for God. So Jesus wants us to be patient. Jesus wants us to be productive. I'm going to combine points three and four. Jesus wants us to be trustworthy in the small things and to be faithful in all things. To the one who worked hard, used his mina and turned it into ten more, Jesus said, well done, my good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, I will put you in charge of something greater. Take charge of ten cities. Be trustworthy in the small things. And then I can use you in the bigger ways. If you wait to do something for God until you have the time and the money and the skills and the education and the gifting. If you're just kind of in a wait and see, I'm holding pattern, then you will never accomplish something big for God. You start in the small ways with what you have now. You start tithing when you first get an allowance as a child. Then maybe someday you can give a million dollars to missions. I've always wanted to be able to write a check for a million dollars. If y'all don't pay me more, it's never going to happen. But, 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 but I've always wanted to be able to, to write a million dollars to missions. Hey, God has not yet blessed me with that kind of money where I can do that. So my job right now is to be faithful in what I do have and to give God what he expects me to give and then to give more to help people and to do his work. You're faithful in the small things. And then God gives you ability later to do more. You start serving God when you're a teenager. You don't wait till somewhere down the road. You know, after I get an education and after I have my fun years and after I get my family established and after I do all these things, then, then someday I'll come back and serve God. You may never get around to serving God. 
So you start with whatever small that you have now, and God grows that. Start small, and God opens doors for bigger roles and greater productivity down the way. So I almost blew it as a teenager. God called me to preach. Actually, I was a college student. Some of you know that God called me to preach when I was a teen, and I really didn't get very many opportunities to preach as a teenager. But, but here's what I told God. Okay, you called me to preach. Whenever I get an opportunity, I will preach. I didn't get many opportunities as a teenager. I preached a couple of times in my church and occasionally for, for a youth group. I'd, I'd get a chance to do, do a Bible lesson. And my first sermon was actually in, in a homeless shelter in South Tucson. But I had just a few opportunities, and now I'm in college in a church I'd never heard of, got my name, called me late on a Saturday night, and said, Jack, our preacher's sick. We got your name from someone who got it from someone else who got it from someone else, and we want to know if you would come and preach tomorrow morning. I didn't have a sermon ready. I'd never preached in my life on short notice. And I panicked and I just said, no, I'm sorry, I can't. He said, thank you, I'll find someone else. And he hung up and as soon as he hung up, it's like God told me, Jack, you blew it. I gave you an opportunity and you didn't take it. So I quickly went through the phone book. This was before the internet found out the name of the church and I hoped he was at church because I couldn't really even remember his name and I called back and he answered this is about 10 minutes later and I said hey th this is Jack you, you called me and asked me to preach I said no because I didn't really have a sermon ready but if you still want me I'll come and do my best he said yeah I haven't found anybody yet thank you I'll see you in the morning now I will tell you honestly it was a mediocre sermon at best. And I hope I did the church some good. But I know this, I did myself a lot of good. Because I said yes to God and I learned something. Jack, you better always have a sermon ready. You better always have something to say. Because you promised me you would say yes whenever I called upon you. So I, I don't have no idea what, what the church thought. Don was there. We were not married, but dating at the time, and even she didn't say, good sermon, so, you know. <laughs> but I learned a lesson there. Be trustworthy in the small things and faithful in all things, and God will increase your opportunity. You want your life to count for God someday. If you're believers, you do. You want to accomplish something good for God you start in the small ways. If you're waiting for something big to do for God, it'll never happen. So you start in the small ways with what God has given you, and you begin to serve him now, and then he will bless you and your ministry and your work. So be trustworthy in the small things. Be faithful in all things. Number five, be accurate about God. Make sure you understand the truth about God. You see, the third man had a wrong understanding about the king. 
And a wrong understanding, false beliefs, wrong beliefs, inaccurate beliefs about God will always lead to the wrong actions. If you don't understand who God is, you will never be able to do what God wants. So this is what the third man told the king. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. So he's telling the king, listen, you're scary, harsh, mean, judgmental, unfair, and I knew I could never satisfy you, so I did nothing. He had the attitude, I will never be able to please the king, so what does it even matter? Listen, I hope you have an accurate and real understanding of who God is. Because if we really know the nature and character and heart of God, we will willingly follow him. He loves me. He wants what is best for me. He blesses me far more than I deserve. He's slow to anger, quick to forgive, and he's eager to bless. If I understand him correctly, then following him, even on the tough days, is a joy. But if I misunderstand him, if I think he's uncaring, if I think God is harsh, if I think God is unfair, if I think God is quick to anger and eager to punish, then I will never willingly follow him. If I see him as many people do, unfortunately, many people have a concept of God as the worst kind of earthly father, angry temperamental, unloving, an over-disciplinarian who loves to spank and even abuse. If that's what I think about God, then, then I'm not going to follow him. And if I think he doesn't exist, like many people today, then what do I care? If God doesn't exist, then life is all about me. I'll do what I want. So if you really want your life to count for God, you've got to have an accurate understanding of who he is and how he thinks. And you need to understand how deeply he loves you. He's not just giving you rules to live by. He's telling you to do things that are for your best and that he will be with you and care for you. So if you really want to serve God and follow God, you need to have an accurate understanding of who God really is. Be patient, Jesus said. Be productive, Jesus said. Be trustworthy in the small things and faithful in all things. Be accurate about God. But let me add one more thing that we don't always talk about. We also need to be ready for judgment. We see two levels of judgment in the passage. First, the king took away the mina from the lazy servant. I gave you blessings and the ability to, to follow me. I gave you talents and abilities and money that you were supposed to use for me, and you didn't use it for me, so I'm taking it away from you. That's a level of accountability that all of us have. And he gave it to another servant. Now, maybe in the big scheme of things, this servant got another chance to be faithful 
I mean, if it were me, I would have gone back and said, God, I blew it. King, I blew it because I didn't understand you. But now that I do, give me another chance. If you can't give me a, a mina, give me a, a denarius, which is like one one hundredth of a mina. And I'll serve you. I don't know what happened, but there's a built-in accountability as part of God's judgment. We need to understand that God does care what we do with what he gives us. Our money, our time, our talents, our abilities, our skills, our giftings. And I've received discipline from God multiple times in my life. Sometimes, like when I hung up that phone, it's just like that realization. Man, I just did something wrong and I need to fix it. And God leading me to do it. Other times there's been some discipline. Occasionally God has had to use what I call the two-by-four treatment. You know, knock me over the side of the head. God does those things because he loves us. And so we need to understand that. Part five, be accurate about God. Put that together with part six. We need to be ready for God's discipline and accountability. We wander away from God. We fail to do God's work. We don't respond to God correctly. And he will allow things to happen to us as a form of discipline. But we also see in this passage a final judgment on those who didn't accept his kingship. And it cost them their lives. From the very beginning, you said, you don't want me to be king. I went away. You hoped I would never come back. You ignored me. You didn't follow me. Ultimately, they died. And, and that's the final judgment that is part of God's character. I want us to be accurate in our understanding of God. I don't want any of you to have to face that final judgment. I don't want any of you to go through life without a regard for Jesus and have to get before that final judgment and have to answer the question, what did you do with my son Jesus? Because that'll be a horrible and terrible thing. I want all of you to be able to say, I believed in him. And I probably didn't follow him as best as I could, but I followed him. You see, there's two levels of judgment here. You take the first one now, the accountability. God, this is what I did with your money. I bought gas. I gave to my church. I helped some people. I paid my bills. I gave some extra to a ministry that you, you've led me to give with. There's an accountability for our time. Jack, you're almost 65 years old now. What have you done with the years that I've given you? Jack, I, I've given you the, the ability to study and read and preach. Have you been faithful in that? Do you do your best every Sunday? I've called you to lead a church. Are you doing that to the best of your ability? I've given you a wife. Are you treating her correctly? I've given you nine kids and nine grandkids. Are you doing all you can for their spiritual growth and helping them in every way that a good father is supposed to? I mean, there's an accountability built in, and God has the right and he will ask us those questions. So be ready for those. Because if you allow God's discipline and accountability now, 
you're never going to have to face the final judgment of those who rejected the king. So listen, what do we do from here? What do we do from here? Number one, I want to ask you to be faithful in the little things that God has taught you and that God has given you. Tithe when you're poor so you can tithe when you're rich. Serve when you're busy so you can serve when you have plenty of time. Love people when it's hard and God will expand your loving relationships. Be faithful in the little things and God will give you more opportunities to serve him in the big things. Be faithful in the little things. Start there. Right now. Number two, in order to do that effectively, evaluate your talents, your abilities, your skills, your giftings, and your assets. What has God given you? What are you good at? What skills do you have? How has God gifted you spiritually? Be honest and, and take a, a, a good hard look at yourself. There, there are some things you don't want me doing in the church. You don't want me to play piano for you. Because I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb and absolutely nothing else. You don't want me to be a guitar player. I know about three songs. You get really tired of them. And by the way, they were all popular back in the 70s, not today. You don't want me to be a guitar player. I mean, there, there's things God has gifted me with, and I'm accountable to God on that. There's things God has gifted you with. Take a good hard look. Kind of a net worth, but not just of money, but a net worth of who Jack is. He has this money, these assets, these gifts, these talents, these abilities. This is who Jack is. This is how God has blessed him. And then use them all for God's work and to strengthen his church. Whatever God has given you, 10 minus, 5 minus, 1 mina, 1 denarius, $10,000, a million dollars, 2 bucks, 3 spiritual gifts, 1, 12 talents, a half a talent. And whatever God has given you, you use for his glory. As 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So you understand what Jesus was saying to this crowd of people. Hey, declare your kingship, set up your kingdom. Jesus said, you know, in, in due time, I will do that. But in the meantime, I have work for you to do. Get busy and do whatever you do for God's glory. This has not been a salvation, come to Jesus kind of message. This has been a, hey, you're Jesus' people, get to work. Let's do God's work together for his glory, and then God will bless. So you think about that, you pray about that. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.